December 30th, Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 27. Then I, John, saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a beautiful bride prepared for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, the home of God is now among His people. He will live with them, and they will be His people. God Himself will be with them, and He will remove all their sorrows, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For the old world and its evils are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making all things new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give the springs of the water of life without charge. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But cowards who turn away from me, and unbelievers, and the corrupt, and murderers, and the immoral, and those who practice witchcraft, and idol worshippers, and all liars, their doom is in the lake that burns with fire and sulfur. This is the second death. Then one of the seven angels, who held the seven bowls, containing the seven last plagues, came and said to me, Come with me. I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. So he took me in spirit to a great high mountain, and he showed me the holy city Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God. It was filled with the glory of God, and sparkled like a precious gem, crystal clear like jasper. Its walls were broad and high, with twelve gates guarded by twelve angels, and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had twelve foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, it was in the form of a cube, for its length and width and height were each fourteen hundred miles. Then he measured the walls, and found them to be two hundred and sixteen feet thick. The angel used a standard human measure. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones inlaid with twelve gems. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. The twelve gates were made of pearls, each gate from a single pearl, and the main gate was pure gold, 
as clear as glass. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city, and the Lamb is its light. The nations of the earth will walk in its light, and the rulers of the world will come and bring their glory to it. Its gates never close at the end of the day, because there is no night. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter. No one who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This week's Bible Meditation, Habakkuk 2, verse 4. Behold the proud, his soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Now, let's look with Paul for a minute, a little deeper into this. What were the components of contentment? Now, I'll just give you a few things to think about. First of all, confidence in God's providence. Confidence in God's providence. Verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at last you have revived your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned before, but you lacked opportunity. For ten years, the Philippian church had been unable to send support to Paul. Ten years. They loved him. He loved them. For ten years, they couldn't send him anything. It was ten years since God brought Paul to Philippi to start a church. You remember that, don't you? Acts 16, he came to Philippi, preached the gospel, got thrown in jail. He was delivered out of jail in an earthquake. The jailer and his family were converted. The church was planted. But for ten years since that time, they had not supported him. But in verse 10 he says, you lacked kairos, translated opportunity. You lacked the season. There was no, no way that it could be done. Perhaps partly Paul's inaccessibility to them. Perhaps their own poverty, which was great. Remember now, Philippi is in Macedonia, and if you remember 2 Corinthians, it was the churches of Macedonia who, when they did give, demonstrated their great love out of deep poverty. But I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, because finally, when you had opportunity, Epaphroditus arrives in Rome with the gifts from the Philippians. Now at last, you've revived your concern for me. He doesn't blame them. He says, you were concerned before. And they were. When at the ten years ago he had left, they had given him something to send him on his way. But in the intervening time, they had not been able to do that. This demonstrates, I think, the apostle's patient confidence in God's sovereign provision. He was so sure that God, in due time, would order the circumstances so that his needs would be met. All through those ten years, somebody else met his need. And when it came to this particular juncture in his life, when he was in jail in Rome, and there was not 
another to meet his need, the providence of God ordered the Philippians to find the resources exactly on schedule and to have them delivered to the beloved apostle. There's no panic in his life. There's no manipulation in his life because he has confidence in the providential control of God, that God orders all the circumstances, all the contingencies, all the diverse factors of life to produce his perfect will. He's always done it. You go to the Old Testament, you see it in the story of Joseph, you see it in the story of Esther, you see it in the story of Ruth, many, many other places. Psalm 149, verses 1 through 9. God's people should be a singing people. They should sing in the sanctuary, because God is their Savior, their Maker, and their King. You are reminded again that praise pleases God and beautifies God's people. You should sing at home, even when in bed. Sing when you wake up in the morning, when you take a nap, when you go to bed at night. If it is a bed of illness, sing to the Lord even more. Sing to the Lord on the battlefield as well. God's Word is your sword, and it should be on your lips as well as in your hand. Praise is a wonderful weapon for defeating the enemy. Psalm 149, verses 1 through 9. Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing His praises in the assembly of the faithful. O Israel, rejoice in your Maker. O people of Jerusalem, exult in your King. Praise His name with dancing accompanied by tambourine and harp. For the Lord delights in His people. He crowns the humble with salvation. Let the faithful rejoice in this honor. Let them sing for joy as they lie in their beds. Let the praises of God be in their mouths, and a sharp sword in their hands, to execute vengeance on the nations and punishment on the peoples, to bind their kings with shackles, and their leaders with iron chains, to execute the judgment written against them. This is the glory of His faithful ones. Praise the Lord! Proverbs chapter 31, verses 10 through 24. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is worth more than precious rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She will not hinder him, but help him all her life. She finds wool and flax, and busily spins it. She is like a merchant's ship. She brings her food from afar. She gets up before dawn, to prepare breakfast for her household, and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes out to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She is energetic and strong, a hard worker. She watches for bargains. Her lights burn late into the night. Her hands are busy spinning thread, her fingers twisting fiber. She extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. She has no fear of winter for her household because all of them have warm clothes. She quilts her own bedspreads. She dresses like royalty in gowns of finest cloth. 
her husband, is well known, for he sits in the council meeting with the other civic leaders. She makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchants.